the weekly message from Encounter, where the past has no future and hope is reborn. Our speaker today is Bishop Michael Rice, lead pastor at Encounter. Good morning, church. How you doing today? Where is everybody? Years ago, we were appointed to go pastor a church that just a couple of years earlier, three or four years earlier, used to run seven or 800 people. And they had an auditorium that could fit that many. And they'd gone through a series of problems, and they were down to 18. And we went there, and I thought, mistakenly thought, that those 18 were the faithful holding on, you know what I'm saying? Through thick and thin, they were there. It didn't take me but a few hours to figure out those 18 or why the other 700 left. So I'm looking at you here this morning. Are all of you showering and wearing deodorant? Could it be it has nothing to do with anything except we stink? If you're sitting next to somebody who could use... No, I won't ask that. It's good to see you. And um, I'm, I'm like anybody. I'd, I'd rather see the building full because I, I love people and I, I love sharing the word of God with people. But you know what? I found that oftentimes when there's a smaller intimate group, God does something very unique. And I have been blessed to literally stand on the floor of the Louisiana Superdome and minister to 30,000 people. And I've sat in the basement of a town hall with one teenager. And you know what? God's the same. doesn't matter. So if you would turn your Bibles with me, we're going to look at um, two sets of scriptures this morning. First one is John chapter 10, 27. In this verse, Jesus is speaking and he says this. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, beginning at verse number 1. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. 
So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? This morning, for the next few minutes, we're going to minister on a word simply entitled, Adam, here's a who. As a a nod to Dr. Seuss, okay? (laughs) Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for your loving kindness. We're grateful to be able to gather together here with each other and not only fellowship with you, but not only fellowship with each other, but to fellowship with you. Father, I thank you for the work that you're doing in all of our lives, but I've never been deceived, God. It's you that's doing the work, and I thank you for that. So I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you do what you do so well. I pray that you motivate me and lead me to share the Father's heart and you take what I share and, and you, you personalize it to every individual, whether they're here present or they're watching online. I thank you, God, that your word will not return void. It will accomplish that, what you have sent it to do. Amen. I, I, I wrestled a little bit this week with going back into these scriptures we've been talking about for a little while, and even on a Wednesday night we've talked about them. And I, I learned, at least for me, my job is to whatever I hear the Father saying, I'm to say that. And so I, I, I was reminded this week that that's what Jesus did. He didn't change it or filter it. Just whatever dad's talking about, that's what I'm going to talk to you about. All right? Jesus here is talking to us in John chapter 10 about the importance of you and I hearing his voice. Not only the importance of it, but it's a line in the sand. If we hear his voice, we belong to him. Unsaid, if we don't hear his voice, we don't belong to him. He says, my sheep hear my voice. They do. The biggest lies ever perpetrated on mankind is that God doesn't speak. Just the sheer lunacy of that. And I shared this either on a Wednesday night or a Sunday. What's the first thing we do? You know, the Clark family had a baby born into their family. Yesterday, I can guarantee you the first thing they did is talk to that child. 
That child didn't understand a word they were saying. But that's just what we do, isn't it? We just talked. Uh, I, I saw Carol out in the hallway, and they're carrying the baby. And I know that baby don't know me from Adam. And, 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 and yet, I, I, hey, how you doing? You're, you're growing up. And she's looking at me like, wow. Looked a little afraid. <laughs> but we talk. Our God in heaven, that's his nature to communicate. More than 700 times in scripture it says that God said. He didn't go mute when the book of Revelation was finally written. He's a God who speaks. So we, we at the end of the story in John 10, but at the beginning of the story, the problem came because Adam and Eve listened to the wrong voice. And here's a realization and, and something I wish somebody would have told me as a young Christian. I thought there would come a time in my life that the voice of the enemy would, would be gone and that my own wants and desires would be gone and I would hear God clear as day. And that doesn't happen. Even after all these years, there still has to be a, a sorting, if you will. There still has to be a a recognition that, that there will probably, until I get to heaven, be all those other voices. I just have to choose the right one. Amen? And so we, we start off with Adam and Eve, and, and Eve talks to the serpent, and she sees the fruit, and she eats of it. She gives it to Adam, and you, you hear the story, and they, they find that they're naked, and... When God shows up, he asks first a question, where are you? Can I tell you, when you listen to the wrong voice, you will end up someplace you don't want to be? When you listen to the wrong voice, you will end up someplace you don't want to be. One of the ways you know that you're listening to the wrong voice in your life is you're at a place you don't want to be in. Not that we will ever get to the place as believers that everything goes right, but we can get to the place that no matter what state we're in, we're content. So he asked Adam, where are you? He wasn't looking for him. He's wanting Adam to make an assessment. But even more than that, he had Moses write this down so that you and I today... And other believers like us can look back and see the mistake that was made. You know, if I, I go hiking on a trail and I, I, I trip over a root, the first thing I do is, hey, you guys, be careful right there. How many know what I'm talking about? I, watch out for that. I don't want you tripping up over that. And that's what Moses is doing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He's saying, Hey, look it, look it. When you listen to the wrong voice, you're going to be someplace you don't want to be. And I, let me just tell you that. That isn't the message this morning, but I want to tell you that if you find yourself in a place you don't want to be, you probably got there because you were listening to the wrong voice. But this goes on to say something. When Adam answers God God asks a second question 
who told you. Notice what God doesn't say. What did they say? I feel like this is a, a word for, for, for us this morning. If we can hone into this for a moment. You know, for too long in my life as a believer, I was, I was, I, I read and it seemed like I was taught that if I, I wanted to decipher the voices in my head, I needed to figure out who said that, what, by what they, what it was that was said. And so I would have this thought and I would take that thought and think, now, is that something that God would say or is that something that I would say? Or is that something the enemy would say? Is that my tradition? Is that my desire speaking? Is that my, my teaching that's speaking me? Is, is that something that somebody I love spoke to me? Is that, is that biblical? Is that right? Is it wrong? Is it good? Is it bad? How many know what I'm talking about? And the next thing I know, I'm, I'm jumbling this, trying to figure out what, Whose voice is that? And by, by what they're saying. God is saying here it's not the, what they say that's the deciding factor. It's the who. Because you see, when Eve spoke to the ser serpent... Most of what he said was absolute truth. Do you realize that? Most of what he said in that moment is absolute truth. The problem isn't what he said, the problem was who was speaking. Are you, are you catching that? And, 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 and you need to know that the, the secret, if you will, is not always judging by what is said, because Satan in that moment, through the serpent, spoke absolute truth. It's who's talking. And you learn by who's talking, not by trying to discern the voice of yourself or your past or your Husband, your wife, your pastor, your, your tradition, the devil, you simply learn to hear his voice. Is it God or is it somebody else? Because we see from this that when Satan speaks, number one, what happens is shame. Anybody else just, just like bullies? I don't think anybody grows up saying, I want to be a bully when I get older. Pushing somebody, shoving them. You know what I notice the enemy does? When he speaks to us, one of the ways you know it's him speaking is you feel shame. You don't like you anymore. Listen to me for a moment. I'm not going to go down this trail, but we've gotten to the place 
in the world that, that people who have quote-unquote good bodies are confident and people that don't have good bodies don't like themselves. Do you realize that's exactly what happened in the garden? When they listened to the enemy and followed through, they became ashamed. There's a difference between godly conviction and shame. Shame is the beginning of a spiral downward. Isn't it? When you don't feel good about yourself, when you don't like yourself, you put yourself in a position that's diametrically opposed to God because he loves you. And to him you are fearfully and wonderfully made. He's not ignorant of your flaws. He loves you out of your flaws. But when you're ashamed, when the voice inside of you because of what you've done makes you to be ashamed, you, 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 you start a downward spiral. Shame says, look how bad you are. You are so bad that you did that. Conviction says, I'm a better man than this. Conviction says, I can do better than that. You see the difference? You need to be speaking life to yourself. Anybody in here ever blown it? Anybody in here ever sinned? You and I have a, have a response to that then. If we listen to the enemy, we start a downward spiral. I'm no good. I'm just stupid. I'm awful. I'm bad. I'll never get this. Anybody ever gone down that road? I'm just, I'm just worthless. I'll never measure up. I'll never be. I'll... I'll Shame. When the voice that you're listening to causes that, it's not the voice of God. God's voice can bring conviction, but conviction isn't I'm bad. Conviction is I'm better than that. I can do better. I'm not going to make that mistake again. That's, that's what repentance is all about. And somebody needs to hear it's okay to repent over the same thing again and again. <clears throat> you can repent it right out of yourself. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You can repent. The enemy wants to get you into shame. He wants you to get out of the cycle of repentance and get you into shame. If you were genuine, you wouldn't have done it again. If you repented, if you truly repented, then why are you back here? Has he pulled that on anybody else? That's the voice of shame. The secret is not in never falling. The secret is not in, in not staying down there. The enemy would have you get down and stay down. Conviction and repentance is a life-giving force in, in you. Listen, repentance is a gift from God. You need to know that. Repentance is a gift from God. 
pent is the top floor, the, the penthouse suite, the, the best there is. To re-something means to do it again. To repent means to be put back on top. The enemy wants you to hear shame instead of repentance. And I shared with you years ago, I was in a wrestling match, and I, I didn't stand a chance against this guy for nothing. He was leagues better than me, but in a moment... Everything just worked good. And in a moment, I took him down. In a moment, I had him in a cradle. I mean, in 15 seconds into the match, I had five points on the guy. And the ref is looking, getting ready to slap it for a pin. And then all of a sudden, he blows the whistle and starts hitting me on the shoulder. And I'm thinking, you never slapped the match, so I'm not letting go. And he said, son, son, let go, let go, let go. I let go, and he says, the clock never started. And so he stands us both up, and he takes my five points away. And I'm looking at this guy who's got 45 pounds on me. He's not happy. And I, 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 I'm reminded that when we got done with that match, I'm telling you, he, that dude was so strong, everywhere he grabbed me, I mean, his fingers were left bruises. He grabbed me that hard. I looked like I had measles all over the place. He grabbed me and squeezed, and it would bruise. And you know what? The truth of the matter is, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. The enemy wants you to listening to his voice that causes you to, Shame. Come on, it even enters people's language. Shame on you. That's a curse. The Bible says we will give an account for every idle word. That's a, that's a curse. To put shame on somebody, that's what the devil does. Shame on you for doing that, Pam. Shame on you. I want to tell you, Pam doesn't feel lifted. She doesn't feel life-giving. If Pam makes a mistake, Pam doesn't need to hear, shame on you, Pam. That's the accusers of the brethren's voice. What she needs to hear is the voice of God that says, Pam, you're better than that. You're better than that, Pam. I know you. I know you have a good heart. You're better than that. Pam needs to say to herself, I'm better than that. And so repent, repent, allow yourself to be put back on top. Just like that wrestling ref took all my points away, stood us both up, and now it's even again. God takes it one further. He puts us back on top. And so when, 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 when the voice in your head is telling you, you know, you repented of this yesterday and you did it again today, you repented of this last week, and you did it again this week. You repented of that three months ago, and you went ahead and did it. You've not changed. No, no, I have changed. And I can repent. I can tell God I'm sorry for what I did. I can commit my heart to never do it again. You say, but, but aren't you lying to yourself? No. 
The Bible says that when we ask for his forgiveness, our sins are cast as far away from us as the east is from the west to be remembered no more. So there's never a second time with God. Every time we repent, it's the first time. Give me one of these. Or get Pentecostal and give me one of these. He never asked him, what did the voice say? He asked, who was the voice? I want to tell you, the devil's smarter than you are. He's been fooling people for a long time, and he's been fooling a lot of people a long time. He's really good at it. Listen, listen to me for a moment. I'm, I'm not blowing him up. I'm just, I'm just being real. Listen to me for a moment. There were angels that knew nothing but the unfiltered, unhindered presence of God. They knew nothing but that. They were there in his presence. They saw his glory. They enjoyed his goodness. And Satan was able to convince a third of them to leave that. Are you getting me? Be careful. If you start to play Bible games with him, if you start to reason in your mind with him, if you try to smart him out, he's going to win that battle. It doesn't matter what he's saying, it's who's saying it. The question is, God, is this right? The question is, God, is that you? Come on, that's a good word. Is that you, God? That's, that should be my singular goal. That should be your singular goal. Is this God? This is what God wants. It doesn't matter what you want. It doesn't matter what I want. It doesn't matter what they want. Is this God? Is this you, God? I want to know, God, is it you? I found his voice gets more clear to me after I've committed There's something about our relationship with God that requires faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. They that come to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I have found in times when I'm trying to find God's will, I'm, I find that when I commit to God, God, when I know your will, I'm doing that. I then hear his will better. Second thing that happens when you hear the wrong voice is fear sets in. Is that voice encouraging faith or is it encouraging fear? First, there was a fear of each other. Adam and Eve were afraid of each other. I don't want you to see me naked. Now, nakedness here not only can be physical, but can it be spiritual and emotional. I would to God that we in the church quit faking it. Don't, don't, don't. Don't walk into service and somebody says, how you doing? 
And just an hour earlier, you were thinking about maybe cutting your wrist, and you say, I'm doing great, brother. How are you doing? Come on. The voice that told you to be quiet is not from God. The voice that told you to hide. Okay, let me, go, let me talk where the rubber meets the road for a moment. Pastor, I'm sorry I wasn't there Sunday. I was just going through something, and I just, I just needed to stay home and work it out. You hear me? I've heard that. I just need to work this out, Pastor, you know, and then work it out. You're alone. It's not good to be alone. You're afraid. I don't want people to see me like this. You're afraid. Is this too much in our stuff? Is this too real? If you can't join together with people of God when you're messy, then you know what? Just call it what it is. You'll never really truly know the beauty of the body of Christ and freedom is when you can get together with them and be messy. And you don't have to put on for anybody. This isn't a spiritual talent show. When you, we're, we're supposed to be assembled together. That's what it means. Not gathered together, assembled together. There's to be a connectedness. Dr. Brown says, God did not give you a husband or a wife to make you happy. He put, gave you a husband or wife to make you holy. Because <laughs> you're going to need them and they're going to need you at times. Amen? Fear. The voice of the enemy will cause fear. Not only fear of people, but fear of the presence of God. Listen for a moment. Been here. Done this. You messed up. And now you don't want to talk to him. You ever been there? Like he doesn't already know. It's a voice that's speaking to you, causing you to be afraid. That's what they said. We heard your voice walking in the garden, and so we hid ourselves from your presence. You talk to the enemy, you'll hide from God. You feed on the things of the world and let the enemy talk to you through his music and through his, his games and through the videos and through the movies. You'll hide yourself from God. Had a lady say something funny. I, I really appreciated her rawness. One day after service, she said, Pastor, can I just come clean? I said, sure. And she said, I know. You've been my pastor for two years. I know you wonder why I'm here for two or three weeks, and then I'm not here for two weeks, and then I'm here for two or three weeks, and I'm not here for two weeks. She said, I, I, I know you've been wondering why. I'm just going to tell you why. When I've messed up, 
I'm afraid to come to church because I know you're going to know I messed up. That's what she told me. She said, I know God's going to show you that I messed up. I said, Barb, you want to know the truth? You only mess up with staying out of church. Not connecting with the body of Christ, not connecting with the presence of God, not talking to him. When you've messed up, is like saying, I don't want the medicine, I'm too sick for the medicine. You run to him. Come on now. If the God that you serve tells you to go away because you've messed up, you're not serving the right God. Come to me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, I will make them white as snow. God is saying, come to me. That voice that tells you to quit talking to God because you failed for the 10,000th time is not a voice from God. God is saying, come to me. And you want to say, I've messed up 10,000 times, and God said, I, don't, I only know about one. So come to me, and we'll fix this. He's a physician that's sent for the sick. He'll leave the 99 and the one and go after the one. He'll leave the 99 and go after the one who needs him. He's not a God who sits on the throne inviting perfect people to come. It's going to get lonely if he does that. Tell the person next to you, I ain't going. <clears throat> the enemy's voice brings shame. The enemy's voice brings fear. Fear of the church. Fear of God's presence. God's voices gather together even more so as you see the time approaching and it's getting difficult. Even more so. And his presence. I, I, I want to finish with, with just this. Listen. You need to know that the voice of your Heavenly Father is calling you to Him. It doesn't matter what you've done. And it doesn't matter how many times you know that you did it. His voice is calling you to Him. Anything inside of you that's calling you away from God or away from the body is not God. That's the voice of the enemy. And even in their mess, God fixed their problem. And he'll fix yours. If you'll listen to the right voice. So I'll close with this. Who, who told you he wouldn't forgive you? Who told you he's tired of you? Who? Who? Let's sound like a bunch of owls in here. Let's all go who? Who? <laughs> I can guarantee you today, in this time in history, this is the only congregation that's saying who. I'm sure of that. I'm sure of that. Who? We are. That's who. Who?
Look what I started. There's no fixing this. Now I can't even say it, and it's part of my message. I gotta say it. Who? Who told you? That voice will even separate us from other people. And I, it's my, my lifelong hardened desire that every person I, I meet, I find some way, that God helps me some way to communicate his heart to them. I was invited to go visit somebody I had never met, a fellow in a church, Brother, Brother Hunt. He knew these two guys. They were older gentlemen, and they, he, he just felt like he wanted to, that neither one of them were saved. Both of them were, were terrible alcoholics. They were up 70-plus years old. And I know I've told that story more than once here, but we, we went to their house to just on a visitation and knocked on the door, and nobody answered. And, and finally, you know, Ed just opened the door, and it was open. We walked in, and the one brother was passed out on the couch and we stirred him awake and talked to him for a few minutes and asked him about his brother and he said he hadn't seen his brother for a couple days he wasn't sure where he was at been at least two days since he'd seen him so Ed just felt like we just needed to check around and so we we walked upstairs in the house to go and look in one of the bedrooms and we walked into the bedroom and and there he was. He was alive, barely. He w- was laying on a mattress, and was he in the summer, and it was the upper, part, upper room of an old house, and it was just unbelievably hot up there. And there were flies everywhere. Because at some point, a day or two earlier, he had come home drunk, and lay down in the bed and had a stroke. And I don't mean to be gross, but I got to tell you so that you understand. And he had vomited on himself and his beard, and it had gotten in his beard and dried. He had wet himself multiple times. He had defecated himself. And in the seizures that come time come with a stroke, he rolled in it. And his arms flailed in it. He had feces and vomit and urine from his knees into his hair. I don't know if you had tried, you could have been more efficient at spreading all three of those all over his body. We called for the ambulance and Ed said, why don't we clean him up? My first thought was, I'm about to lose what I ate four days ago. I'm just being real with you. Ed said, could you go find a bucket and and, and some rags? And I thought, well, I could do that. 
And I went down and I dug around and found a bucket and filled it up with some warm water, put a little bit of soap in it, got a rag. And I remember walking back up the steps and I simply said this. I said, God, help me. I didn't like the fact I wasn't excited about watching this guy. And I want to, I want to tell you something. I, 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 can't, I can't convey this to you except, except to tell you. But by the time I got to the top of the steps and I walked into the room, the love that God had for that man overwhelmed me. Listen to me for a moment. He, 70 plus years old, he did that to himself. I get it. But the love of God didn't stop and say, well, look, he did that. The love of God didn't say, well, what did he, what did he think would happen? The love of God compelled me to take on the most disgusting things I can think to do and, and without rubber gloves or anything, clean this man up. And I, 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 that was a watershed moment for me because I, I, I came to this realization that if God could love somebody in that condition, in that level of sin, he can love anybody. So I want to tell you this morning, I'm not minimizing sin. I'm telling you the prescription for sin is the love of God. The best way to quit sinning is not to decide to quit sinning. The best way to quit sinning is to be bathed in the love of God. And to hear his voice that calls you son or daughter. He's not spreading shame to you. He's not angry or disgusted with you. He believes in you. You were fearfully and wonderfully made. And to him you are still fearful and wonderful. Would you stand to your feet this morning? Allow me, if you would, as, 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 as your pastor, just to pray over you for a moment. Father, I just pray. I just pray this morning, Father, that your people would come in greater measure to know your voice. And I just pray, God, because as they know that, fear and shame will be broken out of their lives. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ. No condemnation, Father. I pray for a release of shame and a release of fear. I pray for a heart of a child in each of us that when in danger or when we have failed, we run to you, Father. Holy Spirit of God, have your way.
That's Bishop Michael Rice, lead pastor of Encounter. More messages from Pastor Rice are available at our website, godenc.com. You can subscribe to our regular podcast through our website or on iTunes. Find us on Facebook under Encounter.